Mic Check 717. This is Eric T. Jones, a.k.a. Brother Jones, and I just need five minutes of your time. Today, I'm going to introduce the Immoral Compass Theory. If you've been listening to me since day one, I've discussed this theory indirectly, but I believe it's useful to dedicate an episode to breaking things down. The Immoral Compass Theory in a nutshell is the idea that any progress blacks experience in this country is more so a result of self-preservation than of moral obligation. Put another way, though the United States professes ideals of liberty and justice for all, the country only acts on those ideals when its very existence is threatened. Immoral is defined as conflicting with generally or traditionally held moral principles. And moral is defined as concerning or relating to what is right and wrong in human behavior. Unfortunately, the United States is being guided by an immoral compass, and many have been fooled into thinking the compass is moral. Let's get into some historical examples of why so many have been misguided. Number one, the American Revolutionary War. The foundation of this country was built on the idea of liberating America from Britain, while at the same time enslaving large numbers of black people. When Patrick Henry, one of the founding fathers, delivered his highly acclaimed speech, Give me liberty or give me death, weeks before the war, he declared, For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. Though Henry called slavery a lamentable evil, that didn't stop him from owning human beings. It also didn't stop the author of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, or the author of the Constitution, James Madison. These men birthed the paradox of the immoral compass. Their words implied liberty and justice, but their actions show they were guided by liberty and justice for some, not all. Number two, the American Civil War. When the Civil War broke out, it wasn't about eradicating slavery. It was about preserving the Union. While some opposed slavery due to its horrific and immoral nature, many more opposed slavery because they wanted to limit the power of southern states and protect free labor. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but as the United States increased its territory in the West, the South was looking to expand, creating tension with free laborers who saw economic opportunity in the West. Ultimately, this conflict erupted into Bleeding Kansas. If you're not familiar with Bleeding Kansas, look it up and it all makes sense. Number three, the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s. When the Supreme Court made its ruling in Brown versus Board of Education, and Congress finally passed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, these were watershed moments for the black community. Still, we must remember they were passed against the backdrop of the Cold War. Following World War II, the United States just about solidified itself as the leader of the free world. I'm putting that in air quotes, by the way. However, the United States had a problem, the Soviet Union. A global melee between democracy and communism ensued for decades. But during the 50s and 60s, the United States had to counter the Soviet Union's propaganda that exposed its race problem globally. How could the United States profess to be a democracy when they legalized second-class citizenship? If you study this period intently, you'll see the Cold War influenced decisions Supreme Court justices, presidents, and congresspersons made. Now, I'm not saying the grassroots didn't have anything to do with the civil rights movement. Don't misquote me. But the Cold War did play a role. Each of these historical flashpoints illustrate three points. A, the United States didn't see anything hypocritical about enslaving or discriminating against black people while claiming to uphold freedom. 
B. The abolition of slavery was the unintended consequence of preserving the Union, not the key driver of the Civil War. C. The Supreme Court decisions and congressional legislation during the 50s and 60s was influenced by the Red Scare, leading me to conclude the United States only does right by blacks out of self-preservation, not moral obligation. The Black Lives Matter uprising last summer is a contemporary example. Following the inhumane murder of George Floyd, politicians suddenly wanted to declare Black Lives Matter and discuss structural racism. We must ask ourselves, was this a reaction to George Floyd's wrongful death? Was this a reaction to the civil unrest within American cities? Or was this a reaction to the United States' immorality being on full display for the rest of the world to see? Keep in mind, the George Floyd Act still hasn't been passed, so in what direction are we really headed? Well, my five minutes are up. Keep your head on the swivel until next time.